0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at soundtalentmedia.com. Hey everybody, how's it going? I hope it's splendid in your neck of the woods. Just wanted to take a couple minutes before we got started to tell you about Gun Street Wiring Shop. Sean and the crew have been supporting the show for quite a while now, and I got to say, got a lot of good feedback from everybody who is who has used uh, their services and products. So if you got a guitar with the wiring harness that, you know, you're not quite happy with, maybe you got some scratchy pots, maybe you got a switch going out, or maybe you just want to upgrade just cuz you want to, you know, sonically experiment as we're always doing around here. That's the place to go. Go to gunstreetwiringshop.com. Breathe some new life into your old guitars. I mean, it's it's almost like getting a new instrument. When you get when you get done uh, upgrading these things, it's it's really a big improvement in the customer service. Serv- can't talk right now. Customer service is absolutely top-notch. So make sure you go to GunStreetWiringShop.com and check out all the offerings. And of course, I have to tell you about Sinusoid. Sinusoid Custom Cables. Pro Audio Couture, they call themselves. Out of Washington, so they're like Oregon's hat, where I live. They They're making the finest cables on the market, fully backed by a 100-year warranty. And they have this awesome custom cable builder on their website. So if you go to sinusoid.com, you'll see the custom cable builder where you can select the brand. You can select the uh, plugs like, you know, right angle, straights, Neutrik, whatever. You can select all that stuff. You can pick whether you have tech flex or not. You can pick the color of TechFlex. Like you can pick everything that you could think to pick for a cable. You can do it in their custom cable builder. You can get exactly what you need delivered to your door with a hundred year warranty and They are some of the best folks in the business. They've been supporting the show for years at this point. And if you haven't Sinusoided yet and you've been listening, come on. Go get yourself some good cables. You deserve it. Your tone deserves it. Do it. Sinusoid.com Last and certainly not least, I'd like to talk about Stringjoy. Stringjoy Guitar Strings, made in Nashville, Tennessee. I actually had the opportunity to go down there and lend some of my redneck abilities in helping set up some new stuff last summer i believe it was and i got to witness the the process that goes on behind the scenes and i was blown away at how labor intensive it is i did, i really didn't know um, i've watched some videos from other companies and i've i've seen how they do it and the way stringjoy does things down there is very extremely detail oriented there's a lot that might slip through the cracks at a at a bigger company that never makes it out the door there and uh, they really, really care. And they're always constantly trying to improve. And so, yeah, people have asked me if they're if they're worth it. But it's it's all I play. Um, and I know a lot of people have been very satisfied and you can get more gauges there than just about anywhere else. They've, they 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 can get a 90. You need a 90 for your electric guitar. If you need it, they got it. So make sure and check it out. Their website's really easy to use and you can just click right through, build your own custom set if you want or select from some of their pre-made sets and boom, delivered right to your door with a super rock solid guarantee. If you're not happy with it, let them know. They'll make you happy one way or another. And that's, that's what I love about all these companies that are sponsoring. They all have great guarantees. So if you want to try out something new, you want to squeeze out some new tone out of your instruments, there's an easy way to do it. Go to stringjoy.com, mess with some gauges, get crazy, get weird, and know that you're getting some of the best strings Ever by people who truly, honestly, deeply care about the product and your experience. So go there, stringjoy.com, check them out today, show them some love. One quick note before we get into this episode proper. Um, If you're on the mailing list, you've already seen this, and uh, I've tried to make it known everywhere, especially if you're a new listener. This episode's audio is jacked up, so Adrian sounds wonderful, and I sound kind of weird. It's a lot better. I uh, had some help from Nicholas Veland. I hope I'm saying your last name right. It might be Viland. I don't know. I really apologize. And Dave from the heavy reverb podcast to get it to sound as acceptable as we could there was a glitch where the wrong mic was recording and it's a long story but you really can't tell until you go back and listen to it and so we recorded the whole episode and I went back and listened and blah okay what are we going to do with my my track so we the, the conversation was so good I didn't want to lose it and we uh, we made managed to make it happen so yeah, big shout out to those guys, But and also if you're a new listener, this is not normally what I sound like, you know, I normally sound like this. What you hear moving forward is not how my my tracks usually sound, so many apologies, but I think the conversation is good enough that you will enjoy it, and and the next one's going to be this way as well, unfortunately, because I didn't catch it until it was too late, so my bad, I'm really sorry, I'm going to try to make sure that doesn't happen again, but it's a good conversation, I think you'll enjoy it anyway, and on with the show. Hello everyone! Welcome back to another episode of the ToneMob.com podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host Blake Weiland, and with me today I have Adrian Thorpe of Thorpey Effects. What's going on, man?
1: Well, wow. it's uh, it's dark here, and all is well. Thank you very much. Glad to right. uh, be here.
0: Yeah, this will be fun. I feel like we're I feel like we're gonna have a good time. I I don't know if this is just an American thing or not, and you you tell me because I know you've talked to people from all over the world. Are American are all Americans kind of obsessed with British accents, or is it just me?
1: Oh, I I, I have been to many places in the states, and it seems to be universal. Um, okay. Nashville was a particularly pleasurable experience. Um, getting stopped and asked, I was asked, "Can you could you speak for me? You sound like Downton Abbey," which I thought <laughs> was amusing.
0: I mean, it's not entirely inaccurate, I suppose. Was I guess it like so. one of those uh, drunken bridesmaids walking down Broadway? Ah, you sound like Down and Abby. Was it one of those ladies?
1: Or... Very, very close. Actually, it was. It was there was a nursing convention on while we were there. I went there for a long weekend when I, I was in the military. And I was serving, um, and we went over there for a couple of weeks, and we had a long weekend, and uh, drove from Kansas, Fort Leavenworth, down to down to Nashville. Had an awesome time there, and yeah, there was a nursing convention going on. It was amazing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a that's that's that sounds like a, a, a time filled with a bunch of stories that are not fit for maybe this podcast.
1: Probably this not. Like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's that's very interesting. So that actually is a nice segue into this. So tell me about yourself. Your former military, I did know that. Like, yes. what's your musical backstory? How did you get into making effects pedals? That seems like a a decent leap from one career to another.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm quite an obsessed obsessive guy with 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 anything I get into. I just try and take it to the nth level, you know. And um, so I just commissioned from the UK equivalent to West Point. Okay, uh, in fact, my, our final exercise we at Sandhurst, uh, Royal Military Academy Sandhurst, which is the um, where where you go to train to be an officer in in the, in the army. We just done our final exercise with some guys from West Point and i was i found myself with a young troop of soldiers and uh in the evenings i also found myself with loads of free time so you can do a few things you can drink you can go to the gym uh or you could do whatever so i uh i done <laughs> the yeah, last uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i done the gym i i did a, did a bit of drinking but it's it's never really suited me that much and so uh yeah i i started to think and look at guitar electronics and uh, yeah, I fell down this rabbit hole. It must have been a very big rabbit hole because I'm I'm fairly broad. And um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so I, I I started obsessing about it, and uh, I started off with the same circuits probably everyone does. I, you know, my 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 heroes were like Tony Iommi, Brian May, et cetera, Eric Clapton, and I was looking at what's make what makes their sound so cool, and it seemed to me from very limited research that so it was a yeah it was a Dallas Rangemaster and I looked into it I thought oh there's about eight parts there I, I probably could do that. And uh I built my first one and it did not work. So yeah that was a oh. win. Um and uh anyway I got it wrong. I got the positive ground negative you know earth, all, all that so I got it all wrong. And uh anyway, fixed it and then I was hooked from that point on. Absolutely hooked. Um, I was running that through a Marshall combo amp, um, and it to me, despite my ham-fisted playing, it sounded great. And uh, yeah, so then I started looking at other circuits, you know, Fuzz Face, Tube Screamer, Blues Breaker, lots of Drive and Dirt, you know, C2, and, and the list became the most ridiculous thing possible. And I was building them in double digits for fun every week.
0: Wow, so you but you didn't just start out with effects. I don't think. I imagine you were actually playing first. What is, what made you pick up the guitar in in the first place?
1: Uh, same thing, really. A Bit of boredom. Um, I I I have friends who were playing things like the uh, you know PlayStation. I think it was PlayStation One back then, PlayStation Two, and um, they were enjoying that. But for me, I. I I'm just not that way inclined i'm also not particularly good at computer games so i thought well what i can do is i, I can either learn a language or i can learn learn a musical instrument so i went with musical instrument because uh, uh, i thought it looked cool you know um and uh yeah electric guitar it was it had to be
0: it makes sense it makes sense i mean that is the coolest it's not a lie.
1: absolutely i thought it was gonna you know i was married at the time but uh or just about to get married at the time and uh um, I thought, oh yeah, th- this will this will definitely. Uh... <laughs> I'm I'm just talking. Obviously, increase my sex appeal, and uh,
0: <laughs> but but I thought it was cool. We all we all hope for that, right? And it just doesn't seem to. It's like it's it's almost like we're just not. It's not like we're all uh, cut out to be rock stars. It's weird. It's weird how only oh, a, a certain few that works but, for. It.
1: Absolutely, I've got a face for a podcast or a radio, whichever way you want to say it. <laughs>
0: I can relate to that in a big way. That's why I do it. Like it's a. No one ever encouraged me down the path of a, you know modeling or anything like that. So I assume that's probably not just not in the cards for a guy like like me. Like
1: well, I you know what they it. say you know the camera adds ten pounds, and you know I was looking at myself at now and I was thinking, oh, there must have been about ten cameras on me. I, I,
0: I <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> you're a hundred pounds overweight. I've seen pictures of you. You look good. I'm like I don't know what you're talking. About.
1: I'm not that. I'm not that overweight. But uh, I could. Do, I could do with uh, trimming down back to my uh, fighting weight. That'd be good.
0: Yeah, I understand that for sure. So, you started building all all these effects. You started building them once a week. You or like several times a week. You were building a ton of pedals. Yeah. When when was like the light bulb moment that you thought, oh, maybe I could.
1: Maybe I can sell some of these. Well, to be honest with you, that came out of necessity because, you know, despite being relatively well-paid in the military, um, you've only got so much funds um, and you can only spread it so far. So it it became clear very quickly that having built up a stock of pedals, of, you know, self-builds, that to fund the next batch, I would need to sell them on. And so I just put them on eBay and things like that uh and just recoup the cost essentially I wasn't looking to make any money I just didn't want to lose any money so my time was rated at zero and uh I got my money back and then just piled that into more parts so I was looking at things like you know vintage germanium transistors and you know, you know proper uh carbon comp uh resistors etc etc and um So, it wasn't really so much a light bulb moment. It was more of a necessity. And and, and bear in mind, I'm doing this on a properly amateur basis at that point. But when it started, I started to get repeat custom on eBay. um, And then realized actually, there's probably a, a fairly healthy market for it. You know, I had people actually messaging me saying, I've just bought this, love it. Could you build me one of these? And then I started doing. Custom uh, jobs for people, and you know this was all going on while I've got a full time career. So uh, you know I'm I'm working hard at my career, and essentially this is my evening work. Um, and it carried on for a little while, and then I I had to go and do my trade training to become a EOD specialist, so bomb disposal. Was what? Paused. Sorry, for real. You were oh, yeah,
0: disposing
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. of bombs. Yeah, well, we call it explosive ordnance disposal. So that was my trade. Uh, you know, in the UK, uh, my actual qualification at the end of it was ammunition technical officer. Okay, EOD. Okay, so, okay. We need to take just a
0: brief moment <laughs> and then pivot a little bit because this is, you know, we talk about gear, but we're we're also focused on the people, and this just got really interesting for me really quickly. Uh, not that I wasn't already interested, but you were disposing of bombs. Yeah, well, not that's, just uh, that's not uh, a thing that people. That's <laughs> not a thing that most people do.
1: Yeah, it's what I joined the military to do. Really, I mean, my, my initial train of thought when I when I signed up to the military because I, I joined when I was fifteen. Essentially, what you do is you. I did a a load of um, tests to be selected to go to a specific technical military college um and i wanted to become a pilot i wanted to become a fast jet pilot but my eyesight wasn't good enough and so thereafter i thought well what can i do instead well actually what's exciting yeah explosives seemed quite exciting so i thought i'd uh, i'd get into that so i did and um got selected went through all the tests and then did all the training because it takes about 18 months to do your basic your basic uh, eod training um in in the uk military but it's not just counter terrorist stuff. It's um, logistic disposal, so getting rid of stacks of munitions that are out of date. It's uh, becoming a weapons specialist and understanding how things work. So my my trade was quite varied, um, and it took a while to get qualified.
0: That's crazy. What is the before we dive back into the pedals? What is the craziest situation that you found yourself in in that trade? Oh blimey!
1: It, very odd really I mean I've been very close to explosions like you know felt the heat felt felt the blast go over you feel like you've been punched in the stomach and uh the reason that's crazy is because I really enjoyed it um which doesn't make any sense I know but it was a massive rush and I wasn't Expecting that, you know, there was no fragmentation, it was just just a big blast, and uh, but it was a proper kick. And um, so on a personal level, that's probably the craziest because I, I, I just wasn't expecting to react in that way. I, I, I kind of enjoyed it, I got a rush out of it. Um, what was the situation surrounding that? Um, it was essentially uh, sort of blown through a door.
0: Oh, um, okay. Gotcha. I mean, I imagine there's probably some things you can't elaborate on too
1: much. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm being deliberately coy, but um, yeah, so there's certain things. I mean, I've done m- multi, multi-ton disposals, you know, two kilometers away and maybe not that far, actually, a kilometer away. And you can see the blast wave coming towards you and see a mushroom cloud form. It's not a nuke, obviously, but you still get a mushroom cloud as a result of the amount of heat that's generated. I, I've I've had near misses, I, you know, being put on the spot here. It's a a bit bit odd <laughs> with <We've lost laughs> to trying to recall it. Um, uh, but I've been really lucky, you know. i I've, I've lost friends in the service, um, doing this work, and so I am absolutely blessed that I have all my fingers, all my toes, and I have my family around me. Um, other people haven't been so lucky, so you know, yeah. I find it hard to answer if I'm honest.
0: Yeah. Okay. We won't talk about that anymore. I, I understand. No, it's just uh, that was a that was a a uh, I knew you had a military background, but that was a that was something I was not expecting coming. I had no idea it was that specifically.
1: Yeah. No. I I, I actually transferred down the route of uh, becoming a weapons specialist, sort of development. And uh, you 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 have what we call staff jobs. So actually, you bounce in and out from an operational job to a staff job, and vice versa. And, it, and one gives you rest from the other. So I've done. I've done the operational jobs and I've also done the staff jobs. And the staff jobs were where I got qualified to a a higher level. So I went back and did two master's degrees uh, in explosives engineering and battle space technology. And so they were to supplement my uh, undergraduate degree. Uh, I effectively became a subject matter expert in how weapons work, the chemistry behind it, and all of that sort of good caper
0: wow that's that is amazing i you know i i know a little bit about firearms and the basic function and stuff but not anything uh not anything beyond what your average soldier would know about you know um so this is all kind of interesting but probably the subject for a different podcast so back to yeah, <laughs> <laughs> i'm very fascinated i really really am this is this is very intriguing to me but Seems like you're a bit overqualified for for the effects world in some ways.
1: Well, do you know what? One of the things, the best things you can do as an engineer is actually look outside the narrow field that you're in for inspiration. Okay? So one of the benefits I have in developing military equipment um, and weaponry, et cetera, et cetera, is that I understand what needs to be done to a piece of equipment to have it work in high pressure situations okay? okay so if you're under fire from an enemy or you know blue on blue whatever um, you're being shot at that is an extremely stressful situation to be in and so consequently whatever you interface with be it your rifle be it the weapons be it whatever you really want them to be as simple as possible because when it comes down to it your brain will not be as functioning as well as it ought because you're under stress, right? Of course. So the stuff I helped bring into service, I always made sure it was functional, robust, and absolutely hit the key user requirements, right? So what I've done is I've taken that knowledge and expertise, I've tried to apply it to guitar pedals. Now they do different things for different reasons, but as you're if you're a live musician, Or even if you're playing in your bedroom, often it's extremely stressful because you've got timings to keep. You know, you've got a crowd to please. You're struggling already with your instrument. So, what you want from your guitar pedal is it to work, it to work regularly and uh, in a robust manner. And the interface between the pedal and you as a guitarist needs to be as simple as possible, but as powerful as possible. So, I try and make my pack as much functionality into my pedals uh, as uh, as is as is humanly possible, but with as minimal controls as possible.
0: I see, I see that, and that does make a lot of sense. So you you're trying to squeeze the most out of the least, basically, and that that applies in both fields.
1: Yeah, and you know, some pedals do it better than others. I've been mean, I've been really successful with the Team Medic. That is a really powerful pedal it's a essentially a buffer booster eq with more boost now it does a hell of a lot and actually it's only got five knobs and an internal switch if you need to switch the buffer on and off but that sat at the end of your pedal board can do an astonishing amount to your guitar pedal boards overall tonality
0: yeah that makes that makes a ton of sense what was what was some of your first so uh, personally when i became first aware of your pedals it was probably about the same time most americans were aware of them and that's when you were doing some stuff with pro guitar shop and i seen these crazy case designs which you know they're not it's not like nothing like that has been done before but they're pretty unique in, especially in this day and age of aluminum gray boxes which i'm not against at all i just uh, you know was immediately drawn to the big shiny Case that you do, you have for your pedals. What what was the thought process behind that, and how did that become kind of your signature?
1: Okay, so I mean, we designed that for several reasons. Okay, first off, there was the engineering side of it. So you, I wanted the foot switch to pre- be presented to your foot. Loads of people have done a similar thing, tube screamers, etc. I think it's a great idea. Um, we wanted the knobs to be recessed so that you could not adjust the knobs accidentally uh, with your foot or when it's in your case so essentially to change the knobs you've really got to get into the control cavity and, and and have a conscious effort to change them i've seen and repaired so many pedals where people have just kicked them off like shattered the potentiometer and kicked it off the pedal so the aim was to try and reduce that sort of uh, attrition rate um we also put the jacks at the top and we put the DC jack at the top, which isn't, you know, it's not rocket science. Um, it just makes sense from a real estate perspective to have it all at the top because, you know what, you can put more pedals side by side. Um, then finally, you know, we put the, the side guards up the side again, just protect the knobs on, on that on that part, so um, from, from left and right. And realistically, you know, there is also the element that, it's a crowded pedal market so we do these things from an engineering perspective but you people eat with their eyes you look at something and if it's attractive to you it then draws your attention towards it and you have a, a you know a more fascinating look at it and so there was an element of wanting to stand apart from the crowd and so going that extra mile to consciously do that and that's why we look our pedals look the same the way they are now The only error I made was going for stainless steel, polished stainless steel, which looks amazing. The etching process is done with a really high-powered laser that's dialed right down. And then uh, the only problem with that is I can't photo the things for damn because it's really hard to do.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, when you pull it off, though, they sure look they sure look incredible. I've had a similar problem with the I got a 1981 devices DRV, and it is shiny shiny like i don't know what kind of powder coat it is but it is like almost chrome looking
1: that's a beautiful pedal, by the way
0: oh it is they did a great job with the aesthetics and i think it sounds great too but it also absolutely i love looking at it um but I can't take a good picture of it.
1: <laughs> so. Yeah, there's an angle. What you need to do is you, you almost have to bounce light off of it. So it, it, it's it, that's how I do it. I effectively put the light up in the top left-hand corner and take a photo from underneath it or to the side of it at a specific angle. And then the light bounces off the etching at a, a, in a very nice way and you don't get any reflections. Otherwise, it's it's horrible to photo. Yeah, I'll have to take that advice. It's, I've, I've had that
0: same, same problem before so <laughs> what are your, what are your thoughts you know circuit wise when you're going into something? you kind of explain that you want as much control with as basically as few controls but like what what a, what holes are you looking to kind of fill in the marketplace when you go to create a new product exactly
1: okay so what I aim to do is i, I like guitar pedals that allow your guitar to sound like your guitar now there is, there are guitar pedals for all budgets that absolutely are and Sometimes people want a sludgy heavy fuzz or whatever, and that's great, okay for us what you know what what I'm trying to achieve is clarity firstly, I want you to hear all your strings you know if you're holding down a chord and you strum the chord, I want you to be able to hear what you're doing um, and, and I'm not talking shrill treble I, i'm I'm talking just it's present you can hear it you can hear what you're doing. Um, I also, you know, I I want the noise floor to be as low as possible, ideally, because noise is essentially detracting from the signal. And if you can have it removed, you know, who wouldn't want that? So that's what we try and achieve there. Um, and, yeah, if you're playing a Telecaster, it should sound like a Telecaster. If you're playing a Les Paul, it should sound like a Les Paul. And I try um, and design a pedal to fit as many guitar types, pickup types as possible. So I I have specific guitars here, P90s, humbuckers, heavy humbuckers, you know, single coils, whatever, that I test through, um, through the pedals. I also test those pedals through a variety of amps because all the amps are different, have different EQs, different foibles. Uh, you know, putting a mid-focused pedal through a Marshall, which is mid-focused, isn't ideal. It doesn't sound very good or it can sound poor. So from a design perspective, I do try and cover a lot of ground and I do test as widely as possible so that whoever gets the pedal can enjoy it without going, oh, it doesn't work for my rig.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. So just as much much versatility, you know, across, or compatibility rather, with as much yeah. as possible.
1: And the one thing I haven't mentioned is musicality. Uh, the reason I haven't mentioned it is because I, for me, that's just a given you know if it doesn't sound musical unless you're playing things like a ring modulator some synth stuff and you know you're trying to be wacky um, I, I think everything that i make should be musical it should have a purpose i i would hope that it could be recorded and laid down onto vinyl or onto cd um, and i and i think that's an absolute given it's a it's it's the foundation really
0: i think you're right about that i think everybody these days it's like it, 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 a lot of people say it. It's, it's almost, uh, it's almost like, yeah. Well, duh. If it doesn't sound good, why would you make it? You know, obviously there's some exceptions, like you mentioned ring mods and and crazy fuzzes and things that are intentionally destroying your signal, which is what you're trying to do in those situations. And I love that. But yeah, overall, if the pedal doesn't sound good to your ears, there's no reason to. There's no reason to make it. We, there's too many pedals on the market already. Why,
1: why make a bad one? Absolutely. And you know what? I think we're in a bit of a golden age of gear at the moment. There is a hell of a lot of good product out there. Um, but one of the things I saw a few years ago was Paul Reed Smith talking about uh, He was saying that anything between the guitar and the amplifier detracts. Now he, he doesn't come across as a particular fan of pedals. I, I, just, I think he's just a guitar straight plugged into the amp kind of guy. Um, and to a certain degree, he's, He's right, you know, anything you stick in your signal chain can detract from what your the interface between you and the amplifier. However, that's a very simplistic way of looking at it, because when you add certain pedals, they they, they can be your entire sound. You know, so is that then detracting? I would say no. If you're using a pedal platform amplifier, then having good quality pedals and a variety of them is an absolute must.
0: Yeah. I I've heard his theory before. And, and the first time he actually explained it to me at my first NAM, we did a, a video together with the Ryan from 60 cycle Hum, And I went up and, and talked to him for a little bit and yeah. you know, we were kind of being goofballs cause that's our, our nature. And he was like, let me get serious for, for a minute. And he talked about his subtractive theory of guitar. And on one hand, it it does make a lot of sense. He's basically saying a guitar is, you know, you know, it's basically that I'm probably butchering how he said it. He probably said it a lot more eloquently than this, but basically the guitar is like the strings and the pickups and anything else that kind of gets, you know, that is added to the guitar, be it a a tremolo or different circuits or anything, he said, it's actually not adding to it. It's subtracting from the original sound. And I and I do understand that like he's like what he's getting at, but I also I, I agree with you in that like yeah like but you can't like what if the edge didn't have any pedals when he played what would he sound like you know it well, wouldn't he'd work sound
1: blunt wouldn't he it wouldn't yeah. sound like an edge um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry that was terrible boom hashtag dad jokes. yeah i don't i'm terrible for them um but then then there's the other side of it you know if you take his pure subtractive theory on on board and you go okay great um it is subtracting but if you look at say uh, a car is a perfect example of this Uh, slightly off topic so forgive me you go all right you've got a car it can do 150 miles an hour all right and if you look at it under that that light you go yeah 150 miles an hour i'm really happy my car's perfect but your car can't go grand corners very very well so you stick a spoiler on it now the spoiler provides downforce and pins the car to the floor now your top speed drops from 150 miles an hour to 140 miles an hour because it just has to because you're effectively robbing um some of the aerodynamic um slickness you know the, the airflow over the car is is, right. is, is interrupted however you're, you're trading aerodynamics yeah. for downforce basically you are and then your car performs better around corners now if you look at that in the pedal world you're plugging a very nice guitar into a very clean amp and essentially you sound good clean but you want to rock that's not going to sound good you need harmonics you, you need a mix you need distortion you it needs to feel liquid under your fingers guess what either crank the amp up and make it filthy as you like or put a pedal in the way and do that through a pedal so that you've got a variety of tones at your feet are you detracting in some ways yes but in other ways you've improved the overall sound that you're trying to achieve
0: yeah that's a good good way to think of it it's it's not necessarily about a right way or a wrong way it's what what kind of rig aligns with your goals basically
1: yeah absolutely. You know. You know, people bemoaned uh, John Mayer for not putting a reverb on his signature PRS amp. He said he didn't want one. He wanted to use a reverb pedal. Can't fault him, really. It might not work for you, but it works for John Mayer. And at the end of the day, he doesn't really care.
0: And I don't think, I think he's, you know, something tells me he's fine. Like he's, he's he's doing all right, apparently.
1: He's not struggling.
0: (laughs) doesn't appear to be. Not least, not least in that, in, in the, in the tone, or the uh, music, or anything really—absolutely—I uh, don't know where I'm going with that. Hats off to him. <laughs> I think John's doing fine. <laughs> Apologies to Joe Branton for us talking about John Mayer, but uh, oh, did we did yeah, get upset? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is my segue, though. So, artists—you know—we we brought up a couple of artists here. Who are some people that you listen to and have inspired you over the years?
1: Oh, blimey, it varies. I'm, I'm really eclectic with what I listen to. I, I my, my music tastes are, as such, music has to move me. Um, and I don't mean physically, but it uh, sometimes. <laughs> Emotionally, it has to move me. So, you know, I, I grew up listening to music of the 60s because my dad was always listening to music of the 60s. Now, I actually know a lot of those songs. I couldn't tell you who sung them. And I couldn't tell you, you know, when it was released, but I could hum along to that tune and, and, and tell you the lyrics because it was just subconsciously pounded into my psyche. Um, however, when I hit teenage years and wanted to uh, find my own way musically, the things I was listening to were things like Nirvana, um, you know, heavy metal of every single genre um, uh, and that sort of thing. But if it's if it's rock, 80s rock, 80s metal. That's absolutely what I listen to in the car when I want to drive fast,
0: like hair metal and things, uh, things of that nature. Yeah,
1: you know, Eddie Van Halen, Pantera, Motley Crue. You name them. I they, dig it. Absolutely adore Motley Crue.
0: Oh, really? this is yeah. this is a, this is interesting. Well, and also a very uh, strange, um, a strange timing because I just seen a, a video of of Motley Crue performing recently Uh, i don't know if you've seen this video or not but you know it was it was not the crew of old unfortunately it was uh, it was (laughs) a bit rough
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i saw them performing at download which is a big metal festival over here it used to be called monsters of rock and uh you know what it sounded great they didn't have as much energy as they they did in the 80s but you know, considering everything that they've been through, they're lucky to be alive.
0: I was, I was actually amazed at the amount of energy that they did have for not, you know, they're not, I, not my, my viewpoint maybe is a little bit fudged on this because in, in my old career, there was plenty of guys that I worked with and talked to on a regular basis that were, you know, getting close to retirement age or whatever, but you know, they were perfectly able-bodied and doing, doing just fine in their sixties and, you know, even some of them close to their seventies, and so my my a of viewpoint on age is somewhat skewed. So like those guys aren't really old to me, uh, yeah. as in an age age perspective, but they're definitely old from a mileage perspective.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, was it Nicky Six? Didn't he? I mean, his uh leisure activities didn't they keep Pablo Escobar in business for years? I, 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 <laughs> You know, I'm pretty years. sure I'm pretty sure that, <laughs> you know that's gonna have a toll on your body you know if we if we follow Paul Paul Reed Smith's, uh subtractive theory they've <laughs> removed a fair few uh important cells I would suggest
0: I think you're you're probably right about that I and mean, and I and I think I can't remember which podcast I talked about this same subject on but uh, like we can't all be Keith Richards like Keith Richards is like a he's like a uh Usain Bolt of bodily abuse, like nobody could take that kind of damage except for Keith and still keep on ticking. I, I really believe he's superhuman in some
1: way. Oh, he's an X man, you know. He's he's from the comic <laughs> books, isn't he? He's he's had so much uh, substances it's mutated him or pickled him, whichever way you want to look at it.
0: That could be it. Maybe that's the secret. He took so much that it's actually had a preservative effect instead of. Instead of being detrimental to his health, it's now like beneficial to him in some
1: way. Yeah, D- Jack Daniels will do wonderful things for you. I'm sure. Yeah,
0: yeah I'm sure. Well, I don't know. That's no it,
1: health advice. Don't quote me. It's uh, I, I'm not a qualified doctor. <laughs> you're an engineer, not a doctor.
0: Don't listen to him. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's, isn't that like that's like a quote from Star Trek, isn't it? I'm, I'm yeah, doctor, I'm, a, I'm an engineer. I, damn I'm, it. <laughs> i'm a doctor not a business listener or whatever it is <laughs> sorry
0: <laughs> so yeah so outside of the 80s metal do you do you ever tone it down a little bit do you ever get mellow and and uh just kind of chill out with tunes or are you you pretty much rocking all the time
1: yeah probably i mean I, in all honesty i i, I can't I like blur and things like that, and I like you know the nineties indie scene can be pretty cool. I quite like Nirvana. I quite like that that sort of thing. I'm going to see Alice in Chains, um, pretty soon. But then on the flip side, on my birthday, I'm going to go and see Ramstein. So, um, I I don't think that's toned down at all. Um, I like I like some of the, what actually some of what the Rolling Stones do. I love the Beatles. I love what they've done. But you know, truthfully, if I want to really enjoy the music that i i listen to it, it tends to be pretty hard rocking
0: yeah does that have you think that has an impact on it wait like basically what you were listening to when you were growing up like that very specific time frame in the you know in your life that had a big impact on you
1: um i think so i mean i I don't know i tell you what i see it with my daughter at the moment so my daughter's 18 months old okay she will dance her little socks off if there's something absolutely rocking on the on the stereo it because it it's obviously moving her uh, and i and i think you know you growing up as a kid that, that those things you can't really explain why why something moves you some people absolutely love um i don't know classical music for me it's not i don't really like it that much but you know i quite like wagner so it's 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 hard to it's hard to explain it it just for me it has to, it has to rock pretty hard and get my head bobbing
0: you ever do you ever slant into the more extreme metal genres like the you know, getting into doom or metalcore or black metal or something like that or is it more hard rock
1: um yeah i mean that genres i suppose Heavy metal is such a broad term. I shouldn't really use it, but, um, yeah, for me, if I can't hear the vocals, I don't enjoy it. So some of the screaming, I'm just not into it. I, it's, I don't really like satanic metal or death metal or anything like that. Not because they're not talented musicians. They absolutely are, but I just want to understand the vocals. Um, that's why, you know, for me, Slipknot, Slipknot one of my favorite bands. And the reason is I can, I can hear what they're singing and it's awesome.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. I, I can relate to that too. I mean, I definitely like certain, my, my tastes with heavy music are really strange. Like I like some very, very heavy music, but I have a, a pretty hard line kind of similar, a little bit similar to you, but I think I might take it just a, a touch further. Like I, I just can't, I can't. Quite. I've I've tried to listen to some of the more extreme stuff, and and I'm just like, "Ah, I don't. You know, like you said, it has to move you. It just doesn't, you know. And it's the same uh, thing. I'm not. I'm blown away by the technicality of some of it, but it's like, man, it's not for me. Just isn't.
1: Yeah, I tried uh, listening to a band called Dimmer Borgir a few years ago. Um, one of their songs I really liked because I'd heard. I think I'd heard it in a movie or something like that. Um, but I just couldn't. I couldn't with the rest of the album. That being mm-hmm. said, I saw Josh Smith last night. He came to visit us yesterday. Um, he's obviously not a heavy metal uh, player, but he he was playing Eddie Van Halen while he was uh, visiting, which is kind of cool because he was absolutely rocking it. Um, but you know, he's he's very much a blues blues rock guy, and he's phenomenal. And his, he's playing a monster. Abs- it, his, his playing absolutely moves me. Just because I am astonished how he can do it. I'm astonished with his tone. And he's a super nice guy, so I think there's a you know, there's a a bit of a bit of a fanboy thing there from my perspective.
0: Yeah, he's he's great. I've I've got to catch him a couple times here and there, Nam and various things. That guy that guy can he can really play. Like it's 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 kind of mind-bending sometimes to watch him like, oh man. Almost makes you want to just hang it up. You know? Just like no I guess I'm done.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I think he plays like 14s or something like that. I mean, it's, they're like pylons. So I feel like a child handing over my guitar to him. Yeah, it's got 10s on it. Probably going to suck for you. Um, but, <laughs> and he still plays it better than me. I might as well set fire to that guitar. It's never going to sound as good.
0: It's a weird line, right? In between like who is um, who really inspires you as a musician when you watch them. Versus them also crushing your soul because you know that you're never going to be able to to reach that level. i found that like it's such a strange, it's a strange combination of inspiration and just heartbreak. Watching some yeah. of these guys. I mean, the,
1: the real answer is, you know, you've you've got to take it on the chin because ultimately, if you practice as much as they did, you might get closer. So really, with with whenever we watch these people and go. Oh, belie me there's obviously genetic freaks and natural talent as part of that, but if you put that you know that ten thousand hour theory if you sat down and focused entirely on what they're trying to do and or what you're trying to do, you could probably get quite close. I'd love to be you know I'd love to have the uh the finances just to quit doing what i, I I'm doing and uh yeah just sit there and practice for ten thousand hours straight see how that goes
0: <clears throat> man that uh that is true. There's a there's there is the level of practice that some goes. But then, like you said, you mentioned genetic freak. And in the guitar world, my mind instantly went to Paul Gilbert and his massive fingers. And yeah, uh, I'm like, I couldn't spread that far. Like, oh, you just do this chord. I'm like, no, because my fingers are half as long as yours, and I cannot reach that far.
1: So, I mean, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, has he? I mean, has he got an extra set of joints? I'm not sure. I, they, it looks like it. I've seen him. I've seen him live. And he's he's a super nice guy as well. But, God, it's scary watching him. You know, you're like, how? But then, you know, have you ever seen Django Reinhardt play? Well, obviously not now, but, you know, see videos of him playing. Mm-hmm. That's and true. So he's a gypsy jazzer, isn't he? And he's got, you know, he's got a problem with one of his hands. And he can play better than, you know, 90% of guitarists, and he's using two fingers. It's
0: crazy. This is a very very good point. If you you want it bad enough, you you'll overcome it. And then there's that guy that that you see videos of uh, once in a while. And I have actually watched him at Nam. The guy who um, I, I forget his name. I really wish I could remember right now. But he he plays with his feet. He doesn't have arms. Yeah, and he's awesome. a better guitar player with his feet than I am with my arms. So yeah, you're right. There's a good there's a good point about just putting in the time.
1: That's I mean I I, I often find that absolutely because I have seen videos of him, but. You know, power to him though. But yeah, it's, he's not just good for someone who's playing their feet. He's good per se. You know, that's it. You are that good on on your instrument, regardless of how you're playing it. Bonk. Totally,
0: totally. Yep it's a it's an interesting interesting instrument for sure, in that it's it's fairly adaptable if you really if you really want to. It's a it's a very it's it, it's hard to do that with other instruments, you know what I mean? It's it's, I think it's just kind of the. It's also I don't know, I feel like guitar breeds a certain amount of intense passion in people, so intense that they'll like, you know, leave decent jobs in the military to start guitar pedal companies and things like that.
1: Yeah, well, there's no accounting for idiocy, is there? <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. A- yeah. Joking.
0: <laughs> Well, I, I can relate. I, I left the petroleum industry to, to be working in the guitar field. So, we, you know, we're just a couple of idiots over here.
1: It's, uh, th- there's more, th- I mean, there's more to it than, uh, you know, th- giving up a good job. It's, it has to be a lifestyle choice. I-, I think, you know, I'm a lot happier now, even though I loved what I was doing. I'm a lot happier now. I'm a lot less stressed on the whole. Um, and I just, you know, I have to pinch myself sometimes because I think, well, actually, yeah, it, this is cool. You know, being in California in January, have you ever been in the UK in January? Such, no, but I,
0: I know it's, it's just like here in Oregon uh, or yeah. very similar.
1: There you go. I mean, what was really interesting, I was we were on Newport Beach, so we got our accommodation on Newport Beach because it worked out cheaper Airbnb, right? So we made a holiday of it as well. And uh, we're there in t-shirt and shorts, and people are looking at us as if we're from another planet, because obviously it's there, <laughs> and we look like a pair of idiots, me and my wife. Um, but, hey, I, I, I managed to get a little bit of color in my skin, rather than being a pasty Brit. It was great.
0: I I also rocked the shorts and the t-shirt that Nam and I actually felt like, you know, I'm like, you know what, it's actually a little bit too warm for me right now, just a touch for my... <laughs> Pacific Northwest self. I don't know if you've ever been. Uh, yes, I need some rain. Why isn't it raining right now? It's January. It's supposed to be rain. Um, but so we, one thing we didn't really we didn't really touch on that I meant to is what at what point did it was it obvious to you that it was like, okay, I'm gonna try this thing full time. And, you know, I, you worked a long, oh, excuse me, you worked a long time and, and put in a lot of work and effort in your in your other career when was it apparent to you that it was time to leave that behind
1: okay so uh, you know the, the the company was set up um just trying to think now yeah i'm struggling with this 2014 november 2014 okay and the reason the company was set up at, at that point is i like many military people i uh, I got divorced from you know my, my ex-wife and i i met my my wife, now, and um, we got married uh, in November in 2014. And it was literally the day after we got married, my, my wife turns around to me and she says, Well, you know, what are you going to do now? We've got that project done, which was the wedding. Uh, what are we going to do? <laughs> and because uh, my wife's great, she, she saw it as a big party. She was like, Yeah, we're going to have a great time. So uh, the wedding was done. And she goes, Why don't you do what you've always wanted to do? Launch the pedal company you were going to launch few years ago. And uh, I didn't really have an answer for her apart from, yeah, yeah, cool. That sounds like a good idea. Let's do it. And um, so me and my wife went into partnership in the marriage and we went into partnership with a company. And so it was 2014 when we decided we were going to do it properly. And from November, 2014, we worked through to April the 1st, because we thought that'd be funny to sell our first product on April the 1st in in 2015. Which was the gunshot overdrive. And we, between that period, we took the prototype that I'd had previously um, made. Um, and yeah, we released it April the 1st, April Fool's Day, um, 2015. And so that decision was, it was actually fairly simple to make. It was a case of, you've always wanted to do this, do it. And so for a period of time, I worked 18 hour days because I had still had a commitment to the military and I was doing that. And uh, was working in the evenings, and so was my wife, and, and she was working full-time. The interesting thing is my wife actually builds pedals with me. Um, my wife is an amazing solder jockey. She is incredible. Uh, and um, basically, um, we've just pushed from that point on. Uh, it got to a point where I had achieved everything I wanted to achieve in the military. And it was either stay for a few more years to get Lieutenant Colonel or leave. So I left as a major and uh yeah. And that decision was made twenty seventeen and I was out of the army on sort of our sort of resettlement leave from Nam last year. So NAM twenty seventeen.
0: Wow, that's that's incredible. Sorry. Congratulations, by the way. That's still still fairly recent, sort of ish, kind of. Yeah. Or, yeah. or it probably it, feels it, recent.
1: Do you know what it does and it doesn't? And I, it's it's you know from a time perspective, it's, it's relatively recent. You know, so we have only just done our second nam, um, but uh, yeah, it it feels like a lot of water has gone under the bridge since, and um, yeah, I, I I don't I miss it. I miss the soldiers a lot. Um, I miss the camaraderie, but I'm loving this. I'm absolutely loving this, and I feel really, really lucky that people dig what we're doing.
0: That, that's amazing. I, I, I can definitely relate to. Uh, I'm on a similar time time period as you, and so that, that feels it feels fresh. But you're you're right. There's been so much that's happened in it. Relatively short time frame, it feels like things are almost completely different in some ways. Podcast and just with other things going on, it's just, it's like, wow. When you really put all of your eggs into one basket, you really make a lot quicker progress than when you're kind of trying to juggle multiple things at once.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we're doing, uh, as we're a lot more focused now, we've got the ability to release pedals faster. Um, or at least release more complex pedals in, and and you're certainly going to see that from us um, i mean we, we released our first analog chorus um at this last nam and that's you know it's a complex pedal it's, it's designed from the ground up uh to achieve a load of goals uh but that took a lot of effort and uh, and i wouldn't have been able to do that and juggle um another job as well because it that was just so full-on and it went right down to the wire actually getting it ready for nam um but uh yeah really happy with it i that's exactly where i wanted to go next i
0: wanted to talk to you about that and what it was like bringing that thing to life and, and kind of the backstory behind that whole chorus pedal because i feel like there's a lot there that people don't know
1: okay so um i'm not sure if people are aware but i'm really good mates with a guy called dan coggins and he's from tone. Um, or was formerly of Love Tone pedals. Okay. He then had another brand called Dinosaural, but the Love Tone pedals, you'll see them on reverb and, you know, things like the Wobulator, the Meatball, the che- Big Cheese, um, et etc. et cetera. And they're all really collectible. Some of them, like the Flange with No Name, goes for like $2,000. And they were probably one of the first boutique pedal companies um, back in the 1990s when pedals really started to take off. Um, you know, everyone from Bob Ross, Metallica, you know all the all all the big bands radiohead etc all use those pedals now dan became a friend um, because we live geographically relatively close you know i i bought one of his pedals because i'm still a pedal geek just because i design doesn't mean i don't buy pedals and uh we went and had a beer as you do a nice beer in a summer uh uh, in the in the summer in a pub car a pub car yeah we got chatting and uh, the relationship sort of developed from there and so fast forward um me and dan decided that we're going to we're going to do some modulation we're going to do some stuff that's not been done it's analog um because we think there's more to come from the analog realm you know everyone's doing digital at the moment and they and they're absolutely killing it there's some amazing stuff being developed and um, we think there's still more to be developed from an analog perspective And that's why the chorus was developed. So, um, excuse me. Um, What we set out to achieve was to meet a certain amount of touchstone, tonal um, positions, so to speak. So, big fan of the Boss CE1. Big fan of the Boss CE2. Big fan of Electroharmonics chorus. Um, You know, really big fan of the big space echo units, the 301, the chorus on that, the uh, Dimension mm-hmm. Chorus, massive fan of the Leslie thing, um, but also like the grittier chorus types and sounds. And so the the Deep Oggin um, was designed to have a very specific preamp to respond to your guitar, to have enough boost on tap to get really... gritty and dirty into your amplifier which is you know unusual from a chorus has enough range in both speed and depth to do everything from a subtle shimmer to a crazy warble like a laser Um, it's also a vibrato so the blend mode 100% wet um, and you're into vibrato mode and then and and there are many shades of uh, chorus within there pretty much it's a chorus for chorus lovers you you know uh uh, uh, and we're quite proud of it because it was a lot of work
0: i've heard i've heard from one source our our mutual friend uh mikey mikey demas who was also on the podcast a little ways back if you guys haven't checked that out yet it was great he is not at least according to what he told me he's not he's not normally a chorus fan and he loved this thing which is also a good a good note
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's happened to us before, actually not not necessarily with Mikey, but with other people. We've gone, we've had a lot of uh, feedback from people about, uh, say, the Fallout Cloud, formerly called the Muffroom Cloud, and um, we also had feedback from people with regards to the Veteran. And they, they, the feedback generally goes like this: I'm not usually a Fuzz fan. That sounds amazing. I really want one. Uh, why, why do I like this Fuzz and I don't like others? And you know, it's different flavors, different strokes, different folks. Um, but we've had that quite a lot. I'm not usually a fan of, but I like yours. How are you doing it? And the chorus, Mikey was a bit shocked. He, he, Cause he, he's, he's plugged in. He was like, I'm not going to like this. It was, it was, literally was, I don't really like chorus. And then, uh, carried on playing, carried on playing, carried on playing. I was like, Oh, oh you do like it. That's great. Uh, <laughs> quite, pr- quite proud of that moment. If I'm honest.
0: That's phenomenal. That's, that's uh that's the goal right when you you've you've uh, delivered somebody some inspiration that they weren't expecting that's that's always a, a good feeling
1: yeah it's that sort of thing that you need to to motivate you to do the next thing you know when when you're finding it hard and you're wondering why your circuit's not working properly as you wanted it to and you'd planned it to work it's those moments when you finalize the product and Properly good players are playing through them. um, That it just brings a smile to your face. You know? Absolutely. It's a real sense of accomplishment.
0: On that same kind of note, what is the coolest thing that you've experienced as a result of running this company?
1: Oh, that's kind of cool. Um, You know what? As a bit of a blur fan, going out for dinner with... (laughs) of Graham Coxon from Blur. It was really surreal. Whoa. Him and Andy. Yeah. Him and Andy from Reverb. So I've been at, I've had dinner with Graham a few times now, which I've been really lucky because he's such a nice guy. Um and anyway, went out in in the UK for a curry, uh, Indian, and that was amazing. He's such he was, he was really funny. He's a good good guy. And then in Nam I got invited by Andy of Reverb formerly pro guitar show he said oh graham graham's come come to the show would you like to go out for dinner i was like yeah absolutely i'd love to so i took my wife we had a great time and um yeah it was just a very surreal experience because this guy has had worldwide success with a worldwide uh, you know high, high quality band you know mm-hmm. uh, he uses my pedals and it, it's just cool. And, uh, but the funniest thing that came off the back of that is the very next day we went to the Pedal Builders Guild. Not yes. the Pedal Builders Guild, but, you know, the Pedal Builders sort of, is it called the Guild? But anyway, it was, it was, a, it was the Bowling Alley. um
0: The Bowling Alley. Yeah. The Pedal Builders Summit, I think is what they have called it in the past.
1: That's it. I made it sound too posh there, didn't I? Um, yeah, yeah, we're just we're just a bunch of guys at a bowling alley. Let's be honest. Yeah, it was cool. You know, really nice of the guys to organise that for for everyone, and it's a it's a real sign of the camaraderie that's in the industry. But Andy came to that that night, and um, and it what was really funny was so was Graham Graham Coxon was there with it, and he you know we obviously he recognised us, and we said hello, and had a good chat, and had a good time. But there was the amount of people who were saying, "Oh, could you, could you just take a photo of me and Andy?" So they're saying that to Graham Coxon, who is a legitimate rock star. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, Andy will confirm this because this gen... <laughs> and he, they go, "Oh, could you just take a photo of a uh, of a uh, yeah of uh, me and Andy?" Yeah, yeah, no dramas. <laughs> He's such a nice guy. Just- it was. It m- amused me. <laughs> Yeah.
0: I was there too, and somehow I missed, I missed, I seen Andy, we talked briefly, but he was by himself when I caught him. Uh, I didn't see you too, unfortunately, but that night is, you, you probably experience this, it's like you get pulled in like 37 different directions, and it's like, I want yeah. to say hi to everyone, but I I physically don't have the ability to do that. Like I I need more of me to actually say hi to all of these people that, you know, you get to spend, you know, for me, for instance, I spend hours and hours doing this all year, talking to people in depth and going, you know, picking their brains and whatever. And then, uh, which is awesome. But then I kind of, you know, I want to say hi and, and uh, put my, you know, shake their hand. And, uh, you know, you know, just it's different when you're in person than, than, than digitally. And you know you you always leave Nam, or at least I always leave Nam. Going, ah, I miss that person. Ah, I miss that person too. Ah. And yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit upset that I missed Graham Coxon. To be perfectly honest.
1: <laughs> well, he was. I think the great thing for him is he was relaxing and enjoying himself and just chilling. And you know, um, I, I I often think that's probably how people want it to be. You know, some people love love the limelight. I got the impression he just like to be flying under the radar a little bit.
0: No, I get that. I definitely get that. All right, man. Well, we've made it to uh, just about to that hour mark. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we before we sign off and before I ask you the big question?
1: All right. Okay. Well, now, ju- firstly, I just want to say thank you very much for having me on uh, on, on your show. That's wonderful. Uh, secondly, I I want to apologise. Uh, you know, uh, to, to s- some of your um, American listeners, we don't have enough sort of spread of our product in America, and we're really doing our best this year to try and get more of our product out there so that, you know, if you're, no matter what state you're in, our aim is to be able, for people to be able to play our stuff. So, you know, firstly, my apologies. We're rectifying that, and hopefully, if you can have a little bit of patience with me, you should see more of our stuff in and around the states, very soon.
0: Very cool. Very cool. That's very exciting because, yeah, we we we're, we're hungry for it over here, man. We, you know, we're used to we're used to having all of the pedals available at all times, uh, and uh, you know, we just can't tolerate you know waiting. It's just it's so hard for our uh, this uh, Amazon.com future that we live in, where we want it now and we want it yesterday and we want it before we even knew we wanted it. So. I, I get it
1: I absolutely get it I mean I'm I'm I, one of my failings as a human being is I'm one of the most impatient people you'll ever meet um but I'm well aware of it and uh I so I feel the pain for other people <laughs> anyway The good news is that the
0: people are are the people are ready as soon as you as soon as you are the people are here I'm I'm sure of it so.
1: Well watch this space there's some big things afoot
0: Oh nice very nice well, yeah, thank you very much for coming on. This has been a, this has been a lot of fun, but I'm I'm hoping you're sitting down for this last part. This is the big one. This... I'm scared. Okay, now. yeah, I mean it. It'll make or break the company. If we're being perfectly honest. Um, <laughs> what kind of pizza do you like? Pepperoni. Straight up pepperoni.
1: Pepperoni, absolutely. I mean, we don't have a lot of choice of pizza over here. I mean, you've got all these deep dish fangled things actually there is one piece over here that you don't get in the states do you know what a uh, doner kebab is
0: no i don't
1: um okay so it it looks like um it's like a turkish uh meat on a spit vertically and then you shave it and it it's 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 uh, it's lamb meat um and it goes mm. into a pita bread um i i think you might call it shawarma i, I think that's okay. the, the american american thing well that meat on a pizza is available in the uk and it's probably the best pizza you could ever get and it's also the most unhealthy pizza you can
0: get that sounds delightful that sounds like yeah, so all kinds of my business
1: if you ever come over here come and see me i'll sort you out we'll, we'll order one and you can uh you can go back with clogged arteries
0: that, I mean, if they're not done by now, then I don't think that piece will do it. But I'm very excited to try that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> Wicked. <laughs> so good. Well, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. This was, a, this was a ton of fun.
1: Yeah, thank you. I've really enjoyed myself. Thank you very much.
0: Yeah. Right. I'll wrap this thing up. So for Adrian, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. There you have it, folks. We did it. It's another episode in the can. Thank you for sticking with me. And again, apologies for the lack of audio quality on this one. That just drives me up the wall. But again, I think the chat was worth it. So hopefully you enjoyed all that and you made it to this point. So there you go. I guess you enjoyed it. Thank you very much for tuning in. And if you could drop us some reviews on iTunes or wherever you happen to listen to this thing, um, and if there's anywhere you'd like to listen to it and it's not on let me know and I'll try to try to make it available shoot me an email to infotonemob.com. hit me up on any of the socials and yeah share this with a friend if you you've got somebody you think they would really enjoy this get something out of it please share it with your guitar playing fan, fan fans well yeah if you're some rock star you probably do have fans tell them about it um yeah this is a this is a really fun project and it's only made possible by Everybody listening and keeping this thing going. And in that spirit, if you could, you know, next time you're out shopping on Reverb.com, you're looking to buy some gear, you could use the link ToneMob.com Reverb. Anything you purchase, a small percentage of it comes back, keeps the show going, keeps, a, keeps the lights on, so to speak, around here. The mic's hot, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. You're going to buy that pedal anyway, and, you know, you might as well use tonemob.com slash reverb for all of your reverb purchases. It really, really does help a lot. So thank you for that. And yeah, with that said, uh, good, you know, good night or good morning or whatever. I don't know. We're going to cut to a commercial now, but after that, do whatever you want. Find another good podcast. Bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here, I just want to remind you